0: What I liked was that both Gemma and Elizabeth, neither of them had read tonnes of Virginia Woolf or Vita sackville West before we started working on the project. I think that was very important and that worked very well. Mm. The weight of history, the weight of legacy is a very burdensome one.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Vintage Podcast with me, Lena Norms. Uh, this summer, Vintage is continuing our year of challenging ourselves to listen, hear, and respond to some of the greatest female writers. Uh, we want to celebrate women writing non-fiction this summer, and we'll hope you'll join us in our summer of reading a female expert. This week I am joined by Chanya Button, an expert in her own field of film, and she is going to be discussing with me two vintage authors. Vita Sackville-West and Virginia Woolf. She's the director of the film that's just been released, Vita and Virginia. That's all about the challenges they both face at a very specific time of their lives and the love affair that blossoms between them both. I went to the very fancy Soho Hotel to have a cup of tea and a chat to Chanya about the film. So welcome back to the Vintage Podcast. I'm here with Chanya. You are the director of Vita and Virginia uh, and you're here to talk to us about the film which I'm really excited about. I am and I'm also very excited. <laughs> thank you so much for uh, being here and um, letting me pick your brain. Um, uh, first of all absolutely love the film. Oh, thank um you. We were just talking um, off mic about um, how almost it felt very close and I think claustrophobic is, is the wrong word but it felt like um in a lot of period dramas i think or, or like often the people making it hold those mm. those people at arms length and it can feel quite cold which is obviously the intention but i think this is very different it really like keeps the characters close um can you tell us a little bit about um your journey to making this film and what made you want to make it because i read that you were inspired to go into film from wolf's essay the cinema
0: yeah true i
1: was so it's one of the it's reasons it's been all about Virginia Woolf from the beginning Yeah, it really
0: has um i'm uh, an ultimate nerd. Um yes, she wrote uh, an essay um which is very easy to find mm-hmm. um in one of her volumes of essays and and on the internet um called uh On the Cinema. And I think that we so often think about people like, like iconic writers from the past as being very stuck in that moment caught in amber in that in that time like the mosquito in the amber. In Jurassic Park, yeah, just like that, just like that. Um, but she was someone who was so progressive and so forward-thinking that she was so excited about this new technology that had arrived. Um, and she writes this wonderful essay that talks about the philosophical value of film—that it's the first opportunity human beings have had to look at themselves objectively, because it's the first time that human beings can document something or make a piece of art and look at ourselves through a machine as opposed to filtered through the pen of a writer or the brush of an artist and so she talks about the objectivity that film offers with much excitement now of course as film itself has developed they are anything but objective um, because as a director myself I don't merely document I you know every choice I make um puts things through a filter um which is like my perspective as a director but she made such a fascinating point about the, the the merit and the value and the worthiness of film that anytime i sort of wobble and think what the hell am i doing with my life when i'm getting hypothermia in blackpool as i did earlier this year <laughs> on another project or um or you know have things blowing up around me same project or you know when challenging moments of of when i'm making anything i do return to that piece Mm. um and i think she's wonderful
1: so the the film is based on a play yes it's sort of inspired
0: by um eileen atkins play vita Mm -hmm. and virginia which that play is the letters Mm -hmm. of vita and virginia um they wrote hundreds of letters to each other across the course of their decades long relationship um their friendship lasted long after their romance ended um, and they wrote hundreds of letters to each other and I highly recommend people go and find them and read Mm -hmm. them because they are the most eye-wateringly eloquent letters and they're heartbreaking and I think that the emotional intensity of the film that you responded to um Comes from the letters in that way because they are so. You feel like a breath away from their emotions. They let everything out. They talk about their seething jealousy and and their like, you know, the the strength of their passion for each other. And they talk about the the inner machinations of their writing. And they talk about everything in these letters with no holds barred. And. So that's the spirit in which we made the film, and I think the film is an incredibly emotionally intense one as a result of that. And and I so I love that that you have responded to, and I hope audiences do to the intensity of the film in that way because I think so often historical films or period dramas document conversation. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful ladies in lovely dresses in impressive rooms, as we are now.
1: <laughs> um, We're proving them right we on are, some level. <laughs>
0: um, but it you know point a camera at it and it and and you feel outside it and you feel like you're taking these actors bodies and you're loading information on them the dresses is and is a piece of information about period and 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 the, the words they're saying the style they're saying them in is a piece of information about the, the the moment they're in and and the building they're in is more information and and I wanted to make a film that was felt really inside out as it were and I wanted to recreate the feeling of what it must have been like to be in that relationship as opposed to just point a camera at nineteen twenty eight and hope for the best. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah.
1: Um do you think that um because I again a lot of Virginia Wolf's history um in, in the in the like in the past has been sanitized a little bit, especially around her sexuality. Um and, and again also her agency as a woman. Um do you think um you your choices when you were approaching the film, um, like were with that in mind, that that, that the public already had an opinion about Virginia Woolf and mm. and were you wanting to change that or just twist it a little bit or Well,
0: I was very aware that there are a tremendous number of people who already have a relationship with her work mm-hmm. and a relationship with that the Bloomsbury Group and Vita Sackville West and her work. And That was intimidating at times. I remember being a student and studying Virginia Woolf when I was at university and looking at this massive pile of books and thinking, how could I possibly have anything interesting to say about this subject matter that such brilliant minds have applied themselves to? But I was really determined to try and say something that felt authentic to me and the group of people I was making the film with um, and that felt original and that felt meaningful to us because... I have I often felt through making the film and I felt since if, if if Gemma and Elizabeth and I with all of the resources we had and the research we'd done and the support we had can't develop our own opinion and express that through art, through our film of these women, then what hope is there for a young person in a classroom or at university with a pile of books and a teacher in front of them to have the confidence to have their opinion mm. about a piece of work? And I, you know that that's why we made those bold choices and that's what just sort of stir you know encouraged us to do so was because i really think people have the right to have their own relationship with books and with people of the past um you know it's not just cold hard fact that we're telling the truth about because yeah. you know there is no real truth if you read Virginia Woolf's letters and her diaries and then you read her novels and then you read a biography of her
1: mm. and then you go to a lecture, all those people and all of those sources will say slightly different things. Yeah. And she's so smart that I reckon she she wants it to be that way almost. I think some I way think she's it... alluded she doesn't want she's to She's incredibly pinned down. elusive. That's yeah. what I hope
0: people enjoy about Elizabeth's performance in the film is that she's so elusive and sort of like water going through your fingers and, and Vanessa Bell Um, who's played wonderfully by Emerald Fennell in our film, Mm. uh, Virginia Woolf's sister, who's an incredible painter. And I, you know, she was very tempted to disappear down the rabbit hole and tell the story of her relationship with Duncan Grant and and all that, but had to keep focused. Um, (laughs) Vanessa Bell painted um, three or four portraits, I think, of Virginia, and each one of them is faceless. Mm. So I'm like, if your own sister is painting you without a face... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then that really is an indictment of how mm. kind of unknowable you are um, so to bring that woman to life um was a great challenge
1: yeah i read somewhere that um, virginia i don't know if it's true but that that when virginia was on holiday with vita uh, vita made her buy her first mirror because virginia woolf didn't own a mirror because <laughs> she didn't one because of self confidence issues oh, apparently oh there's lots also of just lovely... because she didn't like the idea of herself as
0: Yeah, I think, I believe, from my reading and research, I believe she was a very kind of um, self-conscious, I guess is the right word, person in that way. Mm. She didn't seem to... I I just think that, in in my opinion, you know, someone whose body had let them down many times in their life through, you know, her profound sort of emotional and psychological challenges, as well as the, you know, physical ones of course you would feel disconnected from your body of course you would Mm. and that's why I think what the film brings to life is a moment in her romance with Vita and her relationship with her body and with sex that I think she must have felt brilliant and really connected to herself for Mm. the first time, like oh my body's on my side and that's, that's what our film's about it's about capturing a moment of profound strength For her, both in her life and in this really exciting, vivid, passionate relationship that she had with Vita, and and that translated into her work, definitely. Um, And you know, the film is about is not a biopic, Mm. and doesn't seek to distil the whole truth of both of these women's lives. It's about a really particular moment in both of their lives where they met, inspired each other, and where the kind of energy and the push and pull of their relationship sort of forced Orlando out of Virginia, yeah, which I think awesome. is so exciting. And everyone around her thought that her relationship with this woman who had this reputation for being this sort of, you know, insatiable, like, romantic monster, like, consuming people and all this, <laughs> is sort of hyperbole of Vita's reputation, which she did have a lot of affairs. Mm. Everyone thought it would overwhelm Virginia, but in the moment where it could have done, she didn't sort of crumple she wrote orlando and she sort of wrote herself out of a hole an emotional hole and and i find that tremendously relatable i can't relate to being a literary genius sadly <laughs> um but i can relate to
1: mm.
0: the how how raw and 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 earth moving those moments of great heartbreak are mm. and i think it's exciting to see such an iconic woman have such a universal experience and use her creative genius to, to sort of get herself out of it and process it and kind of digest it. So, you know, it, it's looking at her vulnerability in a new way, I think, because it's looking at the ways she helped herself and healed herself.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, do you... Um, is When you were casting... Was there anything that you were particularly like looking for when you 're like casting somebody that everybody 's got this idea of who they are and, and, and what they 're like did, did you find the casting process really hard or was that it was a tremendously difficult role to
0: cast mm. because of this sort of aforementioned unknowability mm. um, and, they've got and to a work very feature the as well yes, yeah. and a very just a very intimidating role to take on, I think, mm. but you know it was one of those moments of great alchemy when I sent the script to Elizabeth, Mm. she just immediately kind of bit my hand off and went, yep, sounds great. (laughs) That's the one for you on Monday. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, really, it was kind of like, cool, good to go. You know, I remember Skyping her when she was filming Stephen McQueen's film, Widows, Mm. which is a very, very different project. And I was Skyping her when she was on that, and I had to, for some reason... It was all moving very fast. I had to Skype her from my friend's son's bedroom. Mm. I was like trying to figure out how I could hide the like Manchester United <laughs> bedsheets from behind <laughs> me so I sort of looked like a grown-up. What I liked was that both Gemma and Elizabeth, neither of them had read tonnes of Virginia Woolf That's or Vita sackville yeah. West yeah. before we started working on the project. I think that was very important, and that worked very well. Mm. The weight of history... The weight of legacy is a very burdensome one. Mm. And I was very pleased to be working with two actresses who were ravenous to be creative and responsible with all their research and mm. connecting to it all, but weren't
1: bur- you know, they. Yeah, the lens of other
0: people. Exactly, because be it very... can be incredibly intimidating. Mm. And mostly I'm asked about this film how scared were you? how <laughs> really? terrified were you to make this because of course there's all this pressure and all these people and everyone knows yeah. Virginia Woolf's writing and yes of course I respect the legacy of it and the history of it all the academics and the descendants and all this yeah. but I just with every fibre of my being won't be scared
1: and I think if you've read a lot of Virginia Woolf as well it's very easy to not be scared because it's not how she would approach a project I think as well I just think that from reading her work she's someone who encourages us And
0: no more literally than in a room of one's own. Mm. She doesn't in a room of one's own say, make your own work, but, you know, it's going to be really terrifying and there'll be loads of people who will probably have a problem with it and you should be very careful and calm down. She says, go and do it. Yeah. Go and do it. Make space for yourself. Go and make work in it. Whatever that is, go and be empowered. Go and make art. Mm. Go and do your thing. And so we did. And we weren't <laughs> yeah. scared or intimidated, but we're very respectful of of all the work and and you know, I was the nerd in the room and I would I I knew we were doing something authentic and truthful, but I also was really excited about really putting ourselves in it and making big bold creative choices like Audiences going to do this film will be thrilled by a kind of throbbing electronic soundtrack.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really like the kind of modern soundtrack that it's. I that it's love got, it. What, it. Can it's you talk bonkers. us through the choices for that? I really. talk us through the choice. Talk us through the choice.
0: Uh, so gently put. <laughs> um, Isabel Wallerbridge wrote our soundtrack. Mm. She is a total genius. Um, is that of Phoebe Wallerbridge? Yes, her sister. Yeah. Um, but Iso I met when I was writing the script, oh, right. and she was involved. From so early on, um she read every draft of the script, she was in rehearsals, she was on set, mm. she was in the in and out of the cutting room, and so her perspective on the film is kind of really woven into the fabric of the whole thing, and to us, we didn't really feel like we were doing it we it, it, we weren't consciously being punky with doing this like mad soundtrack. It felt really right mm. because these were this is a film about two women who were revolutionary in their attitudes towards their life and their work their relationship with each other to marriage because they both had long happy marriages but also like totally loved on each other Mm -hmm. and other people particularly vita and you know the the soundtrack is kind of not to sound too like i'm too much like i'm analyzing my own work but you know an externalization of how these women are like super revolutionary and forward thinking and Mm -hmm. orlando itself is almost quite sci-fi. It's set over 300 years. It has a protagonist who changes from a man into a woman back into a man again. It speeds through history. It has this sort of shape-shifting central character. You know, it feels more like Doctor Who than a yeah. Jane Austen novel. Yeah. And so, you know, and when I went to see Max Richter compose a score for an amazing ballet choreographed by Wayne McGregor called Wolf Works... Um, and I went to see that at, at the Royal Opera House when I was writing the script, and the Orlando section of that ballet, it had lasers
1: <laughs> Naturally. and electronic
0: music, yeah. and I was like, "Yeah, it seems I mean, legit." You know. And and Fitting and to a modernist exactly. <laughs> you can't it's... do a
1: traditional like, like thing of a modern. Oh my god,
0: that's mm. what's so funny when I talk about the kind of the- and the the biographical nature of the film, and indeed the themes of biography in the film, because mm. I'm sure many of your very well-read listeners will know that you know Virginia said herself that biography often describes the things that happen to a person but not the person to whom those things happened mm-hmm. and so capturing the essence of someone is entirely what Orlando's about it's entirely what Beta and Virginia is about mm-hmm. and having this really kind of progressive forward-thinking way of doing that seemed the truest way mm-hmm. to, her, to her to do.
1: Um what do you think like is um I wonder if if you're a fan of like kind of classics in general and if you have any favorites but what do you think the importance of reading classics now is because we, we want to keep people reading them they they are obviously like incredibly still relevant um yeah what what do you what's been the benefits of classics on your life
0: They are and reading like really iconic really important pieces of literature is an amazing way of building your own Confidence with having a relationship with literature in general and with history mm-hmm. um, I really hope that people feel less and less intimidated to do so they are for everyone mm-hmm. and it upsets me when I feel like academia or a certain part of the institution kind of intimidates people away from having their own opinion Um and i think that they are things that you know reading virginia woolf can be quite a dense undertaking i would encourage people to read her essays first as i did um because she, you know if i always if ever you have a problem virginia woolf will have written an essay about it she had an amazing way i th- must have been of sort of processing her reactions to certain things like the outbreak of war or she wrote an amazing essay called on being ill that talks about your body letting you down and As I said, she wrote this essay on the cinema. She writes so beautifully about so many experiences. If you read her essays first, you'll you'll see a very open kind of language in quite short, manageable pieces. And then when you go to her novels, the poetry of her novels is really quite profound. And they're novels that you can return to a lot. I I read Mrs Dalloway when I was a teenager and had really, now I look back on it, absolutely no idea what was going on. But I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. They are novels that you return to, and as you get older and as you develop a relationship with these books, they get richer and richer. And I think there is this feeling with literature and with classics in particular that they are like you know they that that you read them and you get it and then you move on. They are there for you forever, and you can return to them don't and and that's why they have lasted for so long because. Mm-hmm you know you don't need to read it in one go and get every nuance you can return to them over the course of your life and that's what I have done with with Virginia Woolf it's what I've done with Dickens it's what I've done with Margaret Atwood it's Mm. what I've done with um all these iconic writers who I love is that you dip in and out and you return to them and they're, they're there for you forever they're not just like read that now and if you don't understand it then you're not clever enough
1: um, i can't think of a better note to end on <laughs> um, but thank you so much thank for the, you for thank you for making the film oh i hope
0: <laughs> i hope lots of your listeners see it.
1: thank you so much for listening to the vintage podcast if you'd like to know more about our year of reading women you can head to at vintage books on facebook instagram or twitter If you do go and see the film Vita and Virginia, do tell us what you thought of it. We'd love to hear over there on any of our social channels. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We release fortnightly on Sundays. I have been Lena Norms and until next time.